Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811. People keep asking, what is this privacy right? I want a privacy right. Mark, why do you oppose privacy rights? I don't oppose privacy rights. People are saying, you know, what the justices did is so terrible. They're attacking these justices. But what they're really attacking, ladies and gentlemen, is the Constitution. As they always do. There's simply nothing in the Constitution about abortion. If these justices were crazy, I guess they would issue a ruling that said abortion is unconstitutional in every state nationwide, right? The sword can cut the other way. But that's not what this draft opinion says. It says. Honestly, what we've been doing is illegitimate. And of course, they're right. But you've been hearing all day and you heard all night. And you heard all yesterday, the privacy right. The privacy right. Now, I want to explain to you how devious this whole set of decisions, these whole set of circumstances came about. For the single purpose of legalizing abortion. And I want to be clear about something before I go on. Roe v. Wade set up trimesters. Trimesters, three periods of time. The first three months, the second three months, and the last three months. The first three months, they say a woman should do whatever she wants. The last three months, Roe says... The state has an interest in protecting the baby because the baby is viable. It has an absolute interest in regulating that. 
as for the second trimester, it's much more ambiguous, leaning towards the woman's choice. Today, we don't even have that debate. The science tells us that even a viable baby, one second before birth, in states like California and New York and New Jersey and others, abortion on demand, what's called partial birth abortion, is permitted. In fact, it's legalized in many states. Many Democrat dark blue states go way beyond the road decision. The Casey decision, which came later, basically went further and said, look, the issue is viability. Viability. Because the science changes. So this sort of archaic 1973 decision is based on old science, the first three months, the second three months, the latter three months. We now know that babies in the womb suffer and have pain and so forth. But none of that matters today. States have gone much further than that. That abortion is a privacy right, a right to choose, period. So these governors and these legislatures are not honoring Roe versus Wade or the Casey decision. They've gone far more radical on this issue. And so the court then says, you know, the Roe decision, the Casey decision. We had no basis for these decisions. There's no federal decisions. We'll leave it to the states. The people in the states and their legislatures will decide. Does that sound like eliminating abortion to you? Did they eliminate abortion in California? Did they eliminate abortion in New York and New Jersey and Illinois and so forth and so on? Did they eliminate abortion on demand? No. It still exists. We're seeing protests in cities that have the most radical abortion laws in the world. Protesting what exactly? And many of these people haven't even read the first draft that was leaked. And the Democrats and Biden and the media are telling us, ignore the fact of the leak. Ignore the damage to the institution of the Supreme Court. It deserves it. It deserves to be damaged if it won't give us the results that we want. Now, what is this privacy right? We all believe in privacy rights. What does it mean? Where does it come from? So we're going to have a sort of a little law school lesson here on the history of this subject. For those of you who are interested, whenever I bump into people, they, they enjoy this, this sort of discussion. The modern argument for a right to privacy began in 1961, 61 years ago, in Associate Justice John Marshall Harlan's dissent in a decision called Poe versus Ullman, Poe, P-O-E versus Ullman, U-L-L-M-A-N. You're not going to hear this anywhere else, so stick with me. 
The case was brought by Planned Parenthood on behalf of a carefully selected group of people. A married couple, a single woman, and a Planned Parenthood obstetrician. And his name, C. Lee Buxton. So Planned Parenthood's suit was directed against a Connecticut law that prohibited the sale and use of contraceptives. This was an old law that was never enforced. So these groups are looking for old laws, dusting off the books that are never enforced. But they're there. The Supreme Court dismissed the case in 1961 because the laws had not been enforced against the people in Planned Parenthood's case. In other words, they didn't have standing. There was no damage. Nobody enforced any law against them purchasing contraceptives. And it's a basic judicial principle that there has to be an actual legal dispute to be adjudicated. Nonetheless, Justice Harlan, in his dissent, wrote, I believe that a statute making it a criminal offense for married couples to use contraceptives is an intolerable and unjustifiable invasion of privacy in the conduct of the most intimate concerns of an individual's personal life. But it didn't happen. It never happened. But Harlan wrote that for a reason. Because he wanted it to be a majority part of a decision in the future. Where people would rave around around stare decisis and precedent if it did. Harlan provided an extensive rationale for his position, which became the theoretical cornerstone for what we call the right to privacy. Where did Harlan derive his notions about the privacy right? A lawyer for the American Civil Liberties Union, Melvin Wolf, spelled W-U-L-F, he claimed credit for first raising the idea with Harlan in the ACLU's amicus brief, or friend of the court brief, in that decision in Poe versus Ullman in 1961. He explained his strategy for getting the court to adopt the so-called privacy rights approach this way. Judges dislike breaking entirely new ground. They are considering adopting a novel principle. They prefer to rest their decision on earlier law if they can, and to show that the present case involves merely an incremental change, not a wholesale break with the past. Constitutional litigants are forever trying to persuade courts that the result they are seeking would be just a itty-bitty step from some other case whose decision rests soundly on ancient precedent. Since the issue of sexual privacy had not been raised, he wrote, in any earlier case, we employed the familiar technique of argument by analogy. If there's no exact counterpart to the particular case before the court, there are others that resemble it in a general sort of way, and the principles applied in the similar cases should also be applied, perhaps even extended a little bit, to the new one. So there was no case. But Harlan wrote his dissent anyway. And Wolf was involved in supporting the Planned Parenthood case anyway. Because they had a bigger scheme in mind, as you're about to find out. So Wolf understood that the court would be open to rewriting the Constitution by pretending to uphold it. And although Harlan's 
was a minority opinion and had no immediate legal effect, its impact would soon become clear. After this case, Poe was decided in 61, Planned Parenthood officials were at it again. They found a way to get arrested so they could mount another challenge to the Connecticut law. In a 1965 steps up, Judge William O. Douglas, one of the most radical members of the court in its history, and he adopted Harlan's reasoning in the majority opinion in the case of Griswold versus Connecticut. You've heard this mentioned over and over again, the 1965 case, Griswold versus Connecticut. And the right to privacy became constitutional law. Douglas, who was appointed by FDR in 1939, is most famous for being the longest serving justice. And to conservatives for writing one of the most parodied phrases in Supreme Court history. In order to strike down this Connecticut law, and you might ask yourself, why do they keep going after this Connecticut law since it wasn't enforced? Prohibiting the sale of contraceptives, Douglas wrote that specific guarantees in the Bill of Rights have penumbras formed by emanations from those guarantees that help give them life and substance. But where are penumbras and emanations in the Constitution? Don't be embarrassed if you don't know what they are. A penumbra is an astronomical term describing the partial shadow and an eclipse or the edge of a sunspot. Another way of describing something that's unclear or uncertain. An emanation is a scientific term for gas made from radioactive decay. It also means an emission. So somewhere in the emission, somewhere in the eclipse at the edge of the Constitution, exists this privacy right. Now, before I go on, you might say, Mark, I believe in privacy rights. So do I. So does every state. But we have criminal codes, criminal code at the federal level and in states, that prevent certain things that happen in privacy, as I mentioned the other day. Just because you murder somebody in the privacy of your home It doesn't cease to be murder. Or if you rape somebody in the privacy of your business, doesn't mean the privacy right protects you. Or you cook heroin or whatever you do, cocaine, in the basement of your home. It's not protected because it's a privacy right. Or you abuse children in your bedroom. That's not a privacy right either. We have all kinds of laws outlawing certain privacy, don't we? But they base this on contraception, which was not even an issue. More when I return. Mark in. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. 
These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Later in the program, we'll get into a number of these other issues. Ohio, Pennsylvania coming up. Sarah Palin's going to be on the program. But let's continue here with our, with our uh, train of thought. So William Douglas, Justice Douglas's decision, not only found a right of privacy in penumbras and emanations, he had to manipulate the facts in the case in Griswold versus Connecticut. And so all those people waving around Griswold are waving around a lie, and they're perfectly happy with doing it. Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski among them. Estelle Griswold was the executive director of Planned Parenthood League of Connecticut, and Dr. C. Lee Buxton, the group's medical director, gave information and prescribed birth control to a married couple. Griswold and Buxton, not the married couple, were later convicted and fined $100 each. So in other words, the couple that used the contraceptives, they weren't charged with anything. They're free to use the contraceptives. But under Connecticut law, it's the people who distributed them. They were not allowed to distribute them. The relationship at issue then was doctor-patient, not husband-wife. Yet Douglas framed his opinion around a presumed right to marital privacy. It had nothing to do with marital privacy. It had to do with who is licensed to sell these products 60-some years ago. Douglas expounded at length about the sanctity of marriage, but used vague phrasing to describe the rights at issue, never explicitly stating that married couples have a right to use contraceptives. He even raised the ugly specter of sex police, though no police had intruded into anyone's bedroom, and no police ever were intending to intrude into anyone's bedroom. Quote, would we allow the police to search the sacred precincts of marital bedrooms for telltale signs of use of contraceptives? You understand, folks, you would need a warrant to do that. Is there any judge on the face of the earth who would issue a warrant to search somebody's bedroom for use of contraceptives? Never been done. This little phrase has been used as holy writ by judicial activists ever since to further expand the right to privacy in a variety of areas, including... Abortion. Stick with me. The story has more. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, Reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today 
at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillstone, I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Has Joe Biden yet condemned the leak from the Supreme Court? Has any Democrat leader, Schumer Pelosi, condemned the leak from the Supreme Court? No. Because their gripe is with the Constitution itself. And they despise it. And I would say to Susan Collins, who's attacking Supreme Court justices, saying that in the case of Kavanaugh, among others, that they lied to you because they talked about stare decisis. You lie every time you put your hand on a Bible and swear fidelity to the Constitution. Every time, there's nothing in the Constitution that supports your position, Susan. So we have Douglas, who makes these outrageous comments in the Griswold versus Connecticut case, that the facts don't even fit with the majority opinion's position. And yet this decision, Griswold, is the holy grail for the Democrats and the radical left. Why? Because they're into contraceptives? No. Because they're building a foundation for abortion on demand. And I'm starting to think, and I will say the unspeakable, apparently, that what these Democrats really want is population control. What else explains their obsession with abortion? And not for medical reasons, not because of rape, but abortion right up to birth. What else can explain that? The science doesn't support it. For them, I think, remember, they don't look at as individuals as individuals. They dehumanize people through their incrementalism. And so babies aren't babies. Women aren't women. Unless it serves their purposes. They talk about protecting women's rights. They won't even define what a woman is. They're destroying their athletics. They've already done that. So they're not standing for women, not one woman, not a hundred million women. And so a baby in the womb that is in fact viable is not a baby. It's a choice. This is the dehumanization by the left. This is the incrementalism of the left. These five Supreme Court justices, they accept the fact that a woman's a woman, a baby is a baby, the Constitution says or doesn't say what it is, that is what is, and they're not playing the game. And so they come under attack. All right, let's move on. That was 1965, the Griswold decision. Justice Hugo Black and his dissent was not impressed. He was the first nominee to the Supreme Court by FDR from Alabama. He attacked the way Douglas had turned constitutional law into semantics by replacing the language of actual rights with the phrase, quote, right to privacy, unquote. He wrote, the court talks about a constitutional right of privacy as though there is some constitutional provision or provisions forbidding 
any law ever to be passed which might abridge the privacy of individuals. But there is not. There are, of course, guarantees in certain specific constitutional provisions which are designed in part to protect privacy at certain times and places with respect to certain activities. So what is he talking about? Well, you have a right to not have your house searched unless authorities have a warrant. You have a right to free speech, which is a form of privacy, to your own thoughts and belief systems. You have a right to freedom of association. You have many, many rights under the Bill of Rights, privacy rights. But this broad concept of privacy right is nonsensical because we have many laws that impose criminal penalties and long prison sentences if you commit certain acts in private or public. Now, Hugo Black, normally an ally of Douglas, feared that using such a phrase as right to privacy could be a double-edged sword. He wrote, one of the most effective ways of diluting or expanding a constitutionally guaranteed right is to substitute for the crucial word or words of a constitutional guarantee another word or other words, more or less flexible and more or less restricted in meaning. Privacy is a broad, abstract and ambiguous concept, which can easily be shrunken in meaning but which can also, on the other hand, easily be interpreted as a constitutional ban against many things other than searches and seizures. And he concluded by writing, I like my privacy as well as the next one, but I'm nevertheless compelled to admit that government has a right to invade it unless prohibited by some specific constitutional provision. And now we get down to it. Seven years after the issue of married couples and contraceptives was decided, in the Griswold case, which really didn't even have to do with contraceptives and married couples. The Supreme Court considered contraceptives and unmarried couples in a 1972 decision, one year before Roe, called Eisenstadt versus Baird. Although we quoted Griswold frequently in the majority opinion, Justice William Brennan, another radical, nonetheless found that Massachusetts law, this was a law in Massachusetts, could be overturned on 14th Amendment equal protection grounds without having to rely on the marital privacy rights created by Griswold. So they're searching around, you see, looking for something. Okay, then the general privacy right, not specific, general privacy right. If it's not in penumbras and emanations, maybe it's in the 14th Amendment. And the Fifth Amendment, the Equal Protection Clauses. Married people could obtain contraceptives in Massachusetts only from doctors or pharmacies by prescription, while single people could obtain them only to prevent the spread of disease. Massachusetts law was challenged when William Baird gave a speech at Boston. This is another law that was never enforced. So a guy by the name of William Baird gives a speech at Boston University about birth control and overpopulation. And with the cops there, specifically hoping to get arrested, he exhibited contraceptives and gave MCO vaginal foam to a young woman in the audience, <coughs> which was illegal. And so Baird was charged and convicted. 
It was overturned by the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. Overturned by the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court on First Amendment grounds. But the U.S. Supreme Court took up the case anyway. Brennan found that the statute was a prohibition on contraception per se and ruled that whatever the rights of the individual to access contraceptives may be, the rights must be the same for the unmarried and married alike. But ladies and gentlemen, the young woman got the contraceptive phone. The decision was overturned by the Massachusetts Supreme Court. So, the rhetoric in this decision, again, didn't match the facts. That was 1972. But this was just, again, a building block for the case that was presenting itself in 1973. You see, Roe versus Wade was in the docks. But before I get to that, Why is this decision so crucial? You've never heard of this decision before. Because Brennan said, if the right of privacy means anything, it is the right of the individual, married or single, to be free from unwarranted government intrusion, ready, into matters so fundamentally affecting a person as the decision of whether to bear or beget a child. Contraception is about beginning a child, preventing pregnancy. But he adds the word bear. Bear or beget a child. So the right to privacy means everything and nothing. There's no constitutional basis and no tangible form. But what's clear is the Supreme Court seized from the legislatures these determinations. And so now Brennan inserted the phrase to bear or beget a child in the opinion. The case was about contraceptives, which affect the begetting of children. But Brennan explicitly added the concept of bearing a child as well. He was subtly laying the foundation to extend the right of privacy to encompass the right to abortion. This occurred at the time when Roe versus Wade, a case involving abortion, had twice already been argued before the court but had not yet been decided. Notice how the judicial activists work, inserting a word in a majority opinion here and there, inserting a phrase in a dissenting opinion, all the while biding their time until five justices can be convinced to join the case. And so that's how you got a privacy right, so-called, manufactured in the Constitution for abortion one phony contraceptive case after another one distortion of the facts in one case after another and then you wind up with Roe versus Wade which is a very long opinion without any constitutional basis whatsoever the entire thing is manufactured from day one And in my view, the motivation isn't women's rights. 
the health of the woman, which virtually every state provided for? No. In my view, it was about population control. Population control. What else explains the obsession with partial birth abortion, which goes further than Roe versus Wade and further than Casey? As for women's rights, this is again the same Democrat Party that has destroyed women's sports by embracing the latest American Marxist agenda item, transgender rights, which is a war on the nuclear family. People are free to do whatever they want with their genitalia in terms of surgery and so forth and so on. Adults. But to call it a movement is shocking to try and indoctrinate children about it. It's for one reason and one reason only. Children don't vote. Children don't have the brain cells to draw conclusions. No, it's to brainwash them and to turn them against their family and their parents, the nuclear family. It's right there in the Communist Manifesto. It's right there in plain English. Well, plain German, but it's been interpreted. The entire issue about abortion was and is a state issue. And the states have gone much, much further than the federal Supreme Court ever went. But I would ask folks who believe that the Supreme Court does have a role in making determinations about abortion. If the Supreme Court ruled that abortion is unconstitutional and decides that the privacy right belongs to the unborn baby and the science is unequivocal that at contraception, the likelihood is you'll have a baby born. That's what happens. Unless there's a medical accident. And switch the position. Would people who now say there needs to be a federal constitutional privacy right, would they argue that the federal Supreme Court should be making these decisions or the states should be making these decisions? This is actually a very modest opinion. It's a first draft, very modest. It does not outlaw abortion. Anywhere. At any time. At any place. It says the states will decide. And why is it that only if the states are more radical, that's constitutionally protected. But if states want to rein it in, that's not. As I've said, the people in South Carolina or Mississippi or Pennsylvania, a culturally conservative state, do not necessarily share the same view in their legislatures as the legislatures in California, New York, Illinois, and so forth. Are they free to impose their views and their positions on California, New York, and Illinois? Or are only California, New York, and Illinois allowed to impose their views on Pennsylvania, Mississippi, and South Carolina? And don't hand me this, it's inconvenient to travel to one state from another. With illegal aliens being planed, trained, 
driven hundreds of thousands at a time all across the country by nonprofit organizations, by immigration front groups, by federal government and others. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now notice what I told you would happen is happening. The Democrats, the radicals, these organizations, Biden, they could give a damn that this leak occurred from an institutional perspective. From a political perspective, they are thrilled. And when you hear, now that I've explained this to you, the propaganda from Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, who now want to destroy the Senate, eliminate the filibuster rule, when you hear what these people are saying, when you hear what Joe Biden is saying, when you understand in the draft opinion Alito himself said that this decision does not apply, and I'll just say it effectively, to the privacy right. In other words, all those bogus cases will remain as precedent. But abortion is different because it actually involves another life. Anticipating the demagogues and the propaganda that will come from the phony law professors, from the phony legal analysts, from the phony politicians and the phony president. Even though they say that, It's still not enough. Again, what happens here is incrementalism. And I want to make the point. I'm going to emphasize it. This is a modest opinion, should it hold. A modest, modest opinion. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. We'll have Sarah Palin on next hour. Before I move on, and I'm not going to play a bunch of clips, and there's a lot of them. Mr. Producer and company work very hard to pull them together. 
We've talked about this guy, Ellie Mistel, before, haven't we, Rich? The Nation, which is a crap magazine, it's always been anti-American in my view, he's their justice correspondent, and he's constantly on the Joy Reid show on MSNBC. We're well into May now, as we move along. The rumor was she'd be removed by March. Joy Reid, I think, not only helps spark hate in this country, but she also helps spark violence. And so do the other hateful, vile demagogues she knowingly brings on her program to spew their poison. And she's not alone. That entire network is filled with these reprobates. Starting with the morning show right into the night. Let's take a listen. Cut eight. Go. Planned Parenthood versus Casey. That's the one that said up until 1993 when that when that ruling happened, women had to ask their 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 husbands for permission of what to do with their bodies. They had to have a man's permission. Essentially, you were a ward of the man you marry. Okay, let's 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 slow down. First of all, that wasn't true in every state. And secondly, the view wasn't you have to ask your man for permission. The view was it took two people to create that baby. And that a person shouldn't get, a woman shouldn't get an abortion without at least informing that individual of what she was doing, especially if they're married. I know that's such a horrific obstacle, isn't it? But you see the way they keep talking about it's a woman's body, it's a woman's body. It's also a baby's body. This is the one case where it's two bodies. It's two bodies. She doesn't talk about viability because she doesn't care about viability. She could care less. This is what I mean by the dehumanization that the left projects onto this body politic. It's not a baby. It's not a baby. It's a woman's body. It's a choice. It's a very radical, radical position. Go ahead. That is overlooked a lot, but that's also being thrown under the bus. Your thought about the decision itself. Alito's fundamental legal reasoning is that abortion is not a fundamental right because it doesn't go back to the founding because the founding fathers didn't recognize abortion as a fundamental right. And he's right about that. The founding fathers didn't recognize abortion as a fundamental right because the founding fathers were racist, misogynist, jerk faces who didn't believe that women had any rights at all. Wow. Do you believe that? It's a legal analyst. So they did it because they were racist and anti-women. So to be for abortion on demand is to be pro-woman. Since when do the Marxists, since when do the Democrats, so when do these head cases represent women? The tens of millions of women in this country. Do you all line up behind Joy Reid and this clown Ellie Mistel, the jerk face. Do you line up behind him? Really? No, you don't. The vast majority of you don't. Listen to how he is screeching. Doesn't care about the law or the Constitution, and I've said this before. They do not believe the Constitution is legitimate, they do not believe the country is legitimate. 
that it was founded by jerk faces. So anything these jerk faces did is illegitimate. Even if they created a civil society, free speech, due process, property rights, the freedom of association, a free press, warrants in order to search people in their homes, all the civil liberties that are used to protect us, the Bill of Rights, even though they did that, they're all jerk faces. And unless I get the result I want, this whole thing is illegitimate. Burn it down. He's the legal analyst, you see, for the nation. Go ahead. They didn't believe that women had rights to their own bodies. The founding fathers didn't believe that marital rape was a thing. Could it be a thing, according to the founding fathers, according to Sam Alita? Marital rape. A thing? Boy, this guy is as sick as they get. Marital rape? What does this have to do with any of that, ladies and gentlemen? The court says the federal constitution, we justices, nine of us, or some subset, we don't have a say in this. You have state legislatures, you have state governors. You have voting rights in the various states. You have criminal and civil laws in the various states. We shouldn't be taking positions on these. We shouldn't be nationalizing these decisions. And look at the response from this head case. Look at the response. They're racists in the media, pal. They're misogynists in the media today. They're bigots. Like the host on whose show you repeatedly appear when she goes after and did homosexuals and Jews. Are you aware of that, jerk face? Yes, we have racists and misogynists in the media today. Go ahead. That's the history that Sam Alito is, is, is accessing. Look, either you believe... He's not accessing that, that history. Did you not read what he wrote? He said, you're in the wrong place. Go to the States. Go ahead. Fathers, in their infinite wrongness, were overcome by the 14th Amendment, which guarantees equal protection to all people in this country, or you don't. And oh, really? Don't- really, you dumbass. You jerk. What are babies, viable babies in the womb? Are they not people? No, they're just choices, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) No, they're a salami sandwich. That's all they are. They don't mean anything. Just dehumanize them. What's the science say about a viable baby in the womb? Is it a baby? Or is it something else? What about the equal protection clause when it comes to them, jerk face? Doesn't matter. They don't vote, you see. They can't speak for themselves. They can't defend themselves. They're just a choice. You have a right to do with them whatever you wish to do with them. That's what Jerkface has to say here. But he's no racist. He's no misogynist. Go ahead. 
believe that the 14th Amendment ex- should, uh, uh, g- guarantees women rights to their own reproductive system, just like this a man isn't has about a- reproductive systems. Women have a right to their own reproductive citizen uh, uh, system. But once you're dealing with another life. There's another life at issue, jerk face. And that's why you won't admit that it's another life. Not even in the last second before birth, jerk face. And where else on the face of the earth? Where else on the face of the earth are babies treated like this? By any people of any race, of any religion, of any background. Communist regimes, surely. Certain fascistic regimes. But almost every culture rejects what Jerkface is saying here. Go ahead. His own reproductive system. If you don't believe that, then we are living in a, in a situation ah, where shut women... Shut up, you idiot. I don't even know why I wasted time on you. Maybe it's because you're a foil. That's why. Ohio. The power of Donald Trump is unquestionable. Unquestionable. People love him. I adore him. I adore Donald Trump. Why? Because he takes on our enemies. Because he doesn't back down. Because he makes promises and he keeps them. He gets up every morning, comes under attack from some damn Democrat elected prosecutor or these frauds on the January 6th committee, and he keeps fighting. He pushes back. He did more to secure the southern border than any president of my lifetime. He built up the United States military, he backed law enforcement. And unlike so many who claim to speak for him or his surrogates, he's not a pacifist, he's not an isolationist. He believes we should be helping the people in Ukraine. And when he sees inhumanity on a wide scale, as he saw it in Syria, as he saw it with ISIS, as he saw it with the Republican Guard, so-called, in Iran, he took action. Whereas many of his mouthpieces, so-called mouthpieces and surrogates, disagree with him. I have supported Trump in all these actions. When he admonished NATO, he came under attack. But he was right. And his sanctions against Russia were undone by Biden. His tax cuts reinforced our capitalist market system. And he knew who our enemies were. And he didn't bow to them or bend over backwards. All of this while they were trying to impeach him and remove him from office twice. All of this with a coup. All of this with a criminal investigation. For no damn reason whatsoever. So we identify with him. And we support him. God knows I do. Now in Ohio, every single candidate he endorsed won. You can't ignore that. That is a big, big deal. The media were laying in wait. To try and say Trumpism is over. Now they're moving to Pennsylvania, North Carolina. One loss and they'll pin it to his chest. 
But that was never in doubt, the power of Donald Trump. That's why the Republicans running and vying for the Republican nomination for the Senate. That's why so many of them sought Donald Trump's endorsement. They knew it was the gold standard. And I was very, and am, disappointed that he didn't endorse a candidate who I knew for many, many years, who many of us had already endorsed before April 15, Josh Mandel. And to this day, I believe Josh Mandel would be a fantastic senator from Ohio. So he endorsed J.D. Vance. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how J.D. Vance won. Period. He was in third or fourth place far behind until Trump endorsed him. So that's how he won. He didn't win on the strength of his arguments. He didn't win on the strength of his personality. He didn't win on the strength of his record, of which there was none. Why am I saying all of this? Because I listened to some of his victory speech. And he goes on the attack against a group called Club for Growth which has been around a very long time and has helped elect many, many solid people to the Senate, and which has backed Donald Trump, as a matter of fact. But not just them. The things he said and his surrogates said about Josh Mandel, a combat veteran, a Tea Party activist, and so forth and so on, were horrific. They were mad at Club for Growth and their ads, but they're separate and apart from the Mandel campaign, as everybody knew. I even contacted one of them and said, why are you doing this? You think you're helping POTUS? You're not helping POTUS. This guy, Tim Ryan, is bad news. He is a bad dude. He pretends to be a moderate. He's a radical leftist. He's voted with the Democrat leadership 100% of the time, and he hates Trump. He needs to be defeated. He must be defeated. And so when I heard Vance saying some of these things, I thought to myself, you better pull this Republican Party in Ohio together. You better not be so damn cocky. Because you really didn't win this race. Donald Trump won the race for you. That's the fact. That's how you came from third and fourth down to number one. With a relatively sizable victory. But you got 32% of the vote. This guy, Ryan, got 70% of the Democrat Party vote. 70%. Vance got 32% of the vote. He got a plurality. The other guy got a supermajority. Vance is going to need every Republican, certainly every conservative he can get. And if he's going to keep doing a victory lap, not because he won and taking on this guy, Ryan, but... We showed them in the Republican primary. He's going to have a tough time. He's going to have a tough time. So my advice to Vance is, get your ego under control. Get your ego under control. Unite the Republican Party. This is exactly what Trump did after the primary. He united the party, gave a major speech in Gettysburg. I remember the day it happened which was basically reaching out to conservatives all over the country. And they agreed and supported him. 
So it's very, very important. We can't lose that seat. You're asking me, would I vote for the guy? I mean, considering the choice, yes. Yes, I would. But it's his job to rally the troops. And it's his job to tell his surrogates to get their ass under control and to shut their mouths. And to try and pull that party together. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. I'm also... I don't know how to put it. I'm also, uh, well, it's cringeworthy when you hear guys who went to private school. I don't have any problem with that. I went to public school, but that's okay. Talking about elitists and how they're with the working people. When they've never been with the working people, they've never had dirt under their fingernails. You see these guys in politics and in the media. Or in the case of J.D. Vance talking about the donor class. The guy received $15 million from one billionaire, Peter Thiel, who was his buddy who helped set him up to make millions. Stop being a hypocrite. Fight on the principles, focus on the right enemy, and make the case to the broader population. You're going to need every Republican vote you can get, every one of those 68% you didn't get, to defeat this guy, Tim Ryan, and you're going to need some Democrats. Focus, baby. Focus. Try and unite people behind the message. You want to be Trump? That's what Trump did. I'll be right back. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. 
or choose unlimited data and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. This is the Ministry of Truth. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. How those interest rates, by the way? How's, uh, what, what did the Fed do today? And let me just put it this way. Any woman out there who wants to get an abortion, and I say this with the greatest amount of sadness, can get an abortion. It's that simple. Paid for by the government. That's how modest this decision is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Fed, CNBC, has raised rates by half of a percentage point. That is the biggest hike in 20 years to fight inflation. So rates are going up. Inflation's going up. The value of money is going down. The value of your salary, other forms of income, your pension, going down. The supply chain has been damaged by inflation and Biden and company. You're starting to see more shortages on the shelves. The war on fossil fuels and capitalism has had an effect because as we talked about the other evening, fossil fuels are everywhere. Not just in your vehicle, not just heating your home or cooling your home. Virtually all material used to build your home, packaging, cardboard, paper, assembly lines, tractors, harvesting wheat, on and on and on. The Federal Reserve increased its benchmark interest rate by half a percentage point in line with market expectations. The rate move is the largest since 2000 and is in response to burgeoning inflation pressures. Federal Chairman Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, underlined the commitment to bringing inflation down but indicated that raising rates by 75 basis point at this time is not something the committee is actively considering. They raised it by 50. This is a big deal. Along with the move in higher rates, the central bank indicated it will begin reducing asset holdings on its $9 trillion balance sheet. Now, that's on the monetary side. On the fiscal side, the deficit spending triggered all of this. And the war on Fossil fuels triggered all of this. The leak from the Supreme Court, the reason why the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo don't want you to focus on that is because you'll see how contrived this is. How fast the protesters came out, how fast the manufactured signs came out, how fast the Democrats were in lockstep with their press appearances and press releases using exactly the same verbiage. How fast their media kicked into place. It's all contrived. I'll repeat this, and I will challenge anyone to dispute it. Any woman in this country who wants an abortion, even if this opinion becomes the final opinion, 
will be able to get an abortion. That's how modest this opinion is. That's how contrived the reaction is. Even from Jerkface on uh, Joy Reid's show. Excuse me. Is he Professor Jerkface? No, he's just Jerkface, I think. Now, Janet Yellen is the Secretary of Treasury. You wouldn't know it. You never hear from the woman. But she was with the Wall Street Journal today. And she made at least a partial confession. Cut 16, go. What's your take on how, how responsible government spending was in helping contribute to the problem uh, that we're facing now on this front? So, look, inflation is a matter of demand and supply. And the spending that was undertaken um, in the American Rescue Plan did um, feed demand. But um, I, I do think it was justified and appropriate at the time, given the risks that the economy faced. Boy, she sounds like a smart one. There's the first confession from anybody in this putrid administration, in this disastrous administration that is dragging this country into the toilet, that, in fact, spending that was undertaken in the American Rescue Plan did feed demand. But it was justified, you see, because hundreds of billions of dollars went to waste, fraud, and abuse. Absolutely justified. Millions and millions, if not billions, went to teaching critical race theory. It was justified. How's all that infrastructure building going, ladies and gentlemen? What infrastructure building? But it was a huge excess. Biden's inflation crisis is a huge success. Cut 17, go. When you look at the labor market now and you see... The By the way, what is, what, what, what is... Listen to how she talks. When you... When, when, is she like Rosanna, Dana, Anna, or whatever her name was on Saturday Night Live? Hey, yeah, uh, you know when you, uh, sounds like a female Joe Scarborough. Cut 17 at the top, go. When you look at the labor market now and you see the state that it's in, um, it, this is really a measure of huge success. Um, I, what? You know, what? Huge success? You missed your target yesterday. And people can't keep up with the rate of inflation. And they can't keep up with the price of fuel. Now she admitted it was their spending that it that launched this. I'm sure she'll have to walk that back. Because they have all these geriatrics, you know, in the administration. And I have no problem with people geriatrics, but you know, you have to know what you're talking about, be able to complete your sentences, actually uh, be able to, uh, con- you know, uh, manage massive bureaucracies. Here's what happened. The Democrats went on a spending spree and the Fed didn't react fast enough to tighten the money supply. That's what happened. They kept interest rates as close to zero as possible while the Democrat Party was spending trillions and trillions of dollars, borrowing an enormous amount of money, and the government was paying a very low 
subsidized interest rate. And so the roof blew off the house. And they don't know how to get it back. The Fed is a day late and a dollar short. The Democrats feel like they should have spent another five to six trillion dollars. We'd be in a depression today. We would be in a depression today if the Democrats had succeeded. Now, they'd blame everybody else and they'd grab more power and rejigger our institutions and do what they normally do. But we'd be in a depression today. And if we're not careful, we're going to be in a depression tomorrow. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you the truth. If we don't even accept what has caused this, that it's not Russia, that it's not big oil, that it's not big meat, that it's not big agriculture, that it's the big mouth jerk in the Oval Office and the big mouth cornrow jerk who is the leader of the Democrats in the Senate and the big mouth, I don't know how many face jobs he's had, in the Speaker's seat that they're responsible for. It. Those three stooges and their party, then how are we going to fix it? They can't fix it. They're ideologically incapable of fixing it. They want to raise taxes in the middle of a burgeoning recession. You don't raise taxes in the middle of a burgeoning recession. You need more money in the producer part of this economy so they can produce stuff, even though the prices are going through the roof, so they can pay people to work. You don't take money out of their hands so you can redistribute it to some left-wing kook organization. This is what they don't want to discuss. Joe Biden has a new phrase he's using. The extreme MAGA agenda or the ultra MAGA agenda. And he's been saying it over and over again. Because they sat him down in a lazy boy chair this morning while he was eating his oatmeal and it was dripping down his, his chest with his bib on, with his teeth in soda water on a little table next to his chair. And they kept saying, Joe, remember, ultra MAGA agenda. Say it over again. Ultra, no, ultra MAGA agenda. Ultra Maggie, not Maggie, MAGA. Ultra MAGALET, no, no, not MAGALET, ultra MAGA agenda. Listen, Joe, what? We're trying to explain something to you. Focus, pay attention. Ultra MAGA agenda. Can I have some sugar with this oatmeal? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. 
You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. And again, most importantly, no one making less than $400,000 will pay a penny more in federal taxes. We're going to protect and strengthen Social Security and Medicare, not put it on the block every five years. Let me remind you again, I reduced the federal deficit. All the talk about the deficit from my Republican friends, I love it. I reduced it $350 billion in my first year in office. And we're on track to reduce it by the end of September by another $1,500,000,000. You know what's amazing about this? He creates this massive debt and deficit with their trillions of dollars in spending. The Republicans block the Build Back Moron bill. And then he brags about the fact that he's cut the deficit. Do Democrats cut deficits when they're trying to spend trillions and trillions of dollars? Did he not just hear the Treasury Secretary say, yes, they're spending, they're massive spending, has helped cause inflation? All you people who earn less than $400,000 a year, are you not hit by inflation with the gasoline prices, the food prices, the automobile prices, prices for everything that this schmuck unleashed? And then he pretends, I will not raise your taxes one penny. It's already raised them through fiscal policy. Go ahead. Up ever. I don't want to hear Republicans talk about deficits and their ultra mega agenda. Oh, I want to hear about ultra mega agenda. Go ahead. I want to hear about decency. I want to hear about help on ordinary people. The bottom line is that for decades, the trickle-down economics has failed as income inequity grew to historic levels under the Republicans, the mega-Republicans, the MAGA-Republicans. I don't want to oh, mispronounce mega, it. mega. Yeah, you mispronounce it because you're a moron. Trickle-down doesn't work, he said. Did he just say that, Mr. Producer? Then why do we have all these government programs? Massive government debt, massive government spending. If trickle-down doesn't work, then how does trickle-down work from Washington, D.C.? I'm just curious. The biggest tricklers, downers, are in Washington, D.C. Redistributing wealth. Capitalism isn't about trickle-down. Capitalism is about voluntary commerce, interactions. Everyone and anyone can participate. But he talks about looking out for the little guy. He doesn't want to hear about the debt. You'll hear about what we decide you'll hear about a clown. And you've always been a clown. May I say, with all due respect. The fact of the matter is simple. Inflation hurts the people at the bottom of the ladder more than anybody else. And as it works its way through the lower classes, the middle classes, the upper middle classes, they're the ones that get hurt the most. And that's why 
you take this very, very seriously, and he never has. And he has no plan to fix it because it requires him to stop spending. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read this secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Sarah Palin will be on with us in just a few minutes. Mark Levin here. This from the post-millennial site, a great site. Iranian plot to assassinate U.S. general in Berlin foiled by Israel's Mossad. The Mossad had been operating in Iran at the time when they captured and interrogated Mansour Rasuli, who admitting during an interrogation that he'd been ordered to assassinate a U.S. general in Berlin, a journalist in France, and a worker at the Israeli consulate in Istanbul. Israeli officials pointed out that the threat posed by the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps applies not only to Israel, but to other nations around the globe. The officials also noted that this plot is part of a larger target list, which includes recently foiled plots in both Kenya and Colombia. Rousali, who admitted that he was ordered to establish a terror cell during drug cartels to assassinate his targets. According to the Israeli Defense Forces, the plot was organized by a member of Unit 840, a secret operations unit that organizes infrastructure for terror groups within Western countries. The Iranian government was reportedly willing to pay over $1 million for the assassination of these targets. The operative, who was part of Iran's Quds Force, was reportedly paid $150,000 to, quote, prepare for the assassinations, unquote. According to reports from the U.S., U.K., and Turkey, Iran has been using international crime groups to carry out its agenda in countries around the world. These plots include the hiring of Zindashi cartel to abduct or assassinate Iranian defectors in Turkey, which has been ongoing since 2015. I wonder who the general is. But it's my understanding that, uh, that they had a price on Pompeo's head. Remember that, Mr. Producer? That they had to beef up security for him. But don't worry, we're negotiating with them so they can get nukes. And now this, and I notice what I'm about to read to you is not discussed or linked to by some of the most prominent Putin mouthpieces, Putinoids, 
within the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, or the media. The Kremlin escalated its rhetorical dispute with Israel over World War II history on Tuesday morning by reiterating and expanding on the falsehood-riddled comments made by Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov about the supposed collaboration of Jews during the Holocaust with their own Nazi killers. This is Yahoo News. In a post filed on anti-Semitism published on the Telegram social media network, Russia's foreign ministry tried to equate Israel's support for Ukraine with Jews whom it alleged collaborated with Nazis in World War II, arguing incorrectly that history is unfortunately familiar with tragic examples of Jewish-Nazi collaboration. And ladies and gentlemen, this same piece of crap, this Lavrov, who's been ripping off the people of Russia for his entire life, who's another one with dementia. Uh, He said that Hitler has Jewish ancestry. Hitler never had Jewish ancestry. So Zelensky, whose family suffered in the Holocaust, he's a Nazi. And uh, the Israelis are defending the Ukrainian president because Jews defend Nazis. And by the way, Hitler was a Jew. Coming from the Russians. It went on to accuse the current regime in Kiev, headed by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, who is Jewish, of precisely such complicity, while insisting to Israel that it was the Red Army that stopped the Holocaust and the destruction of the Jewish world. The Post went so far as to suggest that Israel, which has not played a prominent role in supporting Ukraine in its war effort, may be too naive to realize that after canceling Russians, the Ukrainian leadership will inevitably move against the nation's Jewish population. Well, the nation's Jewish population in Ukraine is being slaughtered with the rest of the population. Just so you know. was a remarkable turn of events, considering that when the war began, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett sought to broker a ceasefire. They miss Netanyahu the way we miss Trump. Slow to help at first, Israel offered Ukraine material support last month. That support has been more limited than of European nations in the U.S. That is largely because Israel's precarious geopolitical status. In other words, Israel needs the airspace to attack uh, Iranian positions in Syria and elsewhere. And so the Russians have given them the all clear with a wink and a nod. And so Israel's been in this precarious position, really created by Obama, who allowed the Russians to go into the Middle East for the first time in a half a century, allowing them, in other words, essentially inviting them And so the Israelis really cannot hit these positions in Syria if the Russian Air Force is present. So it's not entirely clear why the Kremlin, they write, has decided to invoke one of the most controversial and misunderstood aspects of World War II history as a means of persuading Israel, presumably other nations, that it was right to invade Ukraine. Such an attempt 
may have been inevitable given that Russia's initial rationale for attacking its much smaller neighbor was the need to denazify Ukrainian leadership, which is ridiculous. Levrat offered his own thoughts on the matter on Sunday, telling an Italian outlet, wise Jewish people say that the most ardent anti-Semites are usually Jews. And as I said, he also repeated the debunked claim that Nazi dictator Adolf Hitler was partly Jewish. So it is the Russian leadership, the Stalinists, who are doing this. And I haven't heard from or seen a single one of these Putin ass-kissers in our country denounce this. Just as they seem to overlook the torture, the mass murder, the Wagner group, the Syrians being brought in, the Chechnyans being brought in, they seem to to overlook all this. And if you bring it up, you must be a neocon warmonger. That's the Putin wing of the media, social media, radio, TV media, and all the rest. Clowns, morons, in my humble opinion. Now this one is really pissing me off. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't have a good steak or even a hot dog without what, Mr. Producer? Ketchup. Ketchup. By the way, President Trump agrees with me. We both eat our steaks well done with ketchup. (laughs) And it's funny. Because nobody can say anything to me with President Trump sitting there. It's hilarious. But I like it that way. And by the way, when you meet with him and you have a meal with him, he is the kindest host. The most thoughtful host, as is Melania, the first lady. It's very special. It really is. But I'm looking here. And I'm seeing that the cost of ketchup is going through the roof now, the increase. And, you know, that's my red line, quite frankly. All the other prices, okay, that's bad. But ketchup? What else? Coffee. Coffee prices are going through the roof. You know, I go to this diner often. It's a wonderful diner. I don't know how these guys stay in business. I don't know how they do it. They have a lot of seniors who come in there. They have these blue light specials. You may remember those. An egg or two, a piece of bacon, some potatoes, and a cup of coffee for five bucks. How do they do that? I mean, that's the price of a gallon of gasoline today, even more in many places. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, it's been a while since we've talked to Sarah Palin. I really adore her. I'm glad she's running for Congress. God knows we need her. Sarah Palin, how are you, my friend? I am doing great. How are you? 
I'm doing great. Can you imagine how how long has it been? It's been years, right? Something like that. I don't. Yeah, well, time flies. Yeah, doggone it. I remember when you got in trouble because you announced on my radio show that you were not going to run for president, and you got in all kinds of hell. You remember that? Uh, I will never forget that. Yeah, I think that there was more hate coming at me from uh, inside the political machine than pretty much anything else. I, I still, it just baffles me still. Because, heck, yeah, I'm going to give you news like that first. Mark, you, uh, I just have great respect for you and great admiration. So, yeah, but thanks a lot. I got the crap beat out of me for that one. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it is funny when you think back on it. Now, let me ask you something. You decided to jump in. You see the country's gone to hell. So you said, you know what? I'm going to jump in here. We've got to fight for this now. What What is it that you want to do if you get in? And do you have a good shot at this race? Yeah. Um, if I want to get in there, yeah. I, I, well, I'm going to make sure that the federal government doesn't mess with things like our Supreme Court draft ruling anyway. We'll see where that goes mm-hmm. on Roe versus Wade and not infringing on state rights. Yeah, I just feel like uh, somebody, as many reinforcements as we can get, need to be there to cast that vote to um, ensure things like states' rights. But um, yeah, whether I have a, a good shot or not, there there I think about 50 candidates in this race. It's a real bizarre race. And Did you say 50? Ballot, 50. And um, Mark, you'll just really appreciate this. It's mail-in only ballots. Uh, no hand counting to tabulate. Got to go through a Dominion computer to uh, count everything. And um, I, I like yesterday, Mark, I received four ballots in the mail. I didn't even ask for any ballots. Uh, one for one of the daughters who doesn't live here. She hasn't, hasn't claimed residency in Alaska since she moved outside. Um, we call anything outside of Alaska. Are you outside. trying to say Murkowski? <laughs> well, um, you know who wrote the, this bizarre election plan that we have right now going on with the ranked choice voting that's coming up and the mail-in only ballots and all that was Lisa Murkowski's attorney. Unbelievable. The devil. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, you know. I mean, do I do I have a shot at it? Yeah, I I have a shot at it. Um, it's it's bizarre though you know um this kind of voting system so i hope the rest of america keeps track of what's going on in alaska so it doesn't happen to them you're right so it's like a free-for-all and what she's hoping is exactly what's happening that there's a bunch of candidates her name id her daddy's name id propels her to the top uh and uh that's what she's hoping well i hope that you're able to get this this position in the House of Representatives, Alaska will be well represented because, you know, Murkowski basically uh, represents San Francisco, pretty much, when it comes to the issues. And she stabs Donald Trump in the back after Donald Trump is delivering for Alaska and Alaska's natural resources and so forth. And then she stabs the Supreme Court in the back. She's really quite radical, isn't she? Well, yeah, and, you know, typical politician when they don't govern as they've campaigned that drives me crazy you know geez it's is it really that much to ask that you do what you say you're going to do you run as a republican and uh 
you don't vote as a Republican. You run as a Republican, though, in a primary and you lose. So you turn around and you get the Democrat support and run as a write-in. That's what that's what she did. That's how she got back into the position that her dad gave her 20 years ago. Yeah. And I know you're not running against her. Is there a lot of money in this race, a lot of money pouring in for your opponents and so forth? Oh, you know, I'm sure so. There's a couple of established names in this. I've never, in this is my eighth campaign, I've never once worried about or hustled for the dollars. Um, I think it was in my governor's campaign that I went. I think it was, uh, I was out spent 10 to 1 or one of those races. If I'm wrong, I'll get clobbered for it. But I, I, I've always done just fine without even worrying about the money coming to me. Um, oh, this is the other bizarre thing, though, Mark. So everybody's voting right now in Alaska because ballots are pouring in, even though people aren't asking for the ballots, but they're being mailed to everybody. The election isn't until June 11th, but you vote now. Jeez. And then I guess, what, you got like six weeks of wasting donors' money campaigning, trying to woo people who've already voted. It's a bizarre system up here. Yeah, and, and when you vote that early, something could happen in a week or two or three, and it's too late. You already voted. You can't take your ballot back. I, these systems are really built for fraud and abuse and so forth and so on. Let me ask you this. Alaska under Joe Biden. I'm sure Alaskans are suffering like everybody else, but he has the meat cleaver out really for states like Alaska, relative low population, but in your case, massive geography where you have minerals, you have oil, you have uh, you're the kind of state that the Democrats target. Most of these people who pass these laws come from the cities. They're Democrats. In many cases, like Schumer and Pelosi, they don't even know how to use their hands or fish or anything of the sort. So I'm guessing Alaska is really under the heel of the federal government. It's probably going to get worse, don't you think? Oh, yeah. By far, the vast majority of land up here is uh, it's owned by and it's controlled by the feds. And they have no clue what Alaska has to offer in terms of energy independence and security and sovereignty for our nation. We need, we need to be feeding the rest of the United States with what it is that God has provided us up, up here. We're, we have... Oh, we have so many natural resources, and I know I'm always talking about them, but doggone it, people down in the States need to understand what we have to offer. So I'm sitting out here, Mark, I'm in my truck, in my driveway, looking out at my yard, my big backyard is a big lake that just the ice just blew off of it just two days ago. I'm looking at the most pristine, beautiful glaciers that are in my view, uh, thinking, yeah, these yahoos from are going to tell me. Hold on, hold on one minute. I've got a hard break. We want to bring you back after the break. Sarah Palin, SarahForAlaska.com. Sarah, spell out the word for Alaska.com. SarahForAlaska.com. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. The Constitution Man. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. We're talking to Sarah Palin, who's running for the single house seat in the state of Alaska. Or Murkowski and her surrogates have screwed up completely the voting system, but she's still hoping to muscle through. You can help her at SarahForAlaska.com, particularly those of you listening to me in Alaska. You can support her efforts, SarahForAlaska.com. <coughs> Excuse me, Sarah Palin, aren't people up there kind of sick of a six-week election? I mean, that's a long election. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I don't want voters to be discouraged with how bizarre the new single voting right. Uh, whatever this thing is, uh, this process, I don't want them to be discouraged and think that their vote doesn't count. And, you know, I, I mean, talk about voter suppression when, when you put these weird rules in place that um, I think uh, Alaskan voters, because the, the question was on the ballot, whether this should be adopted. They were hoodwinked. We didn't know that it was going to be this weird. Um, I, I think it discourages people from wanting to be involved, which is probably the intent. So, um, you know, still, as bizarre as it is, we've got to get people to show up. And we've got to get people to run for office and not be mm-hmm. afraid to take on the Murkowskis of the world. It's either that, Mark, or it's what we're going to yell at the radio and shoot our TV and, you mm-hmm. know, talk the talk. But we got to get out there and walk the walk and really be involved and support those who are willing to do whatever it takes to fight for what's right. I watch these Alaska shows. I love them. And I conclude, I could never live that way. I'm too lazy. you got to go out and get your fish, you're shooting bears, you're, you're chasing deer. I mean, I'm there, whoa, 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 whoa. I like nature when it's outside and I'm inside, if you know what I mean. I can't help it. I'm from Philadelphia. You used to invite me up there all the time, and I had to politely pass. I thought, nah, I can't get up there. It's beautiful. Well, I'm though, still isn't inviting it? you up here. I'm inviting you up here. And yeah, once in a while, it reminds me of Little House on the Prairie. And uh, it, it's good, though. It's clean and it's yeah. wild in a lot of ways. So that's all good. Is that your dog no, or mine? Right. <laughs> uh, no, that's yours. Uh, anyway, uh, mm-hmm. and the family's doing well? Your kids? They're doing awesome. A couple of them have, oh my goodness, they've. Uh, fallen far from the tree these apples and they live in texas and uh absolutely love it but uh texas is a lot like alaska and you know texas Mm -hmm. is our little sister state so i'm fine (laughs) with him being there i visit a lot all right well it's a pleasure to have you folks i I, we really could use sarah palin in the house it's sarahforalaska.com sarah f-o-r spelled out sarahforalaska.com and she's right don't be dissuaded. Don't be discouraged. You got to vote and vote for Sarah Palin. Now, 
Donald Trump has endorsed you. In fact, he endorsed you immediately, didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. And we've talked a few times lately, and we're on the same page. And, yeah, we're just ready to rock and roll for the good people in our state and in our nation. Hope, hope we both get back in there. Well, if I don't hurt, if it doesn't hurt you, I'd like to endorse you, too, because I've done it before and I'll do it again. All right. I appreciate that so much. Hey, Mark, also, keep on uh, talking about those terms, populism and federalism. You did the best show on that uh, last week or the week before, and I was just re-listening to that and, and talk about educational value in what it is that you're explaining to people and how... The left hijacks our terms and, um, right. y- you know, what the what the verbiage is so people get confused. But you clarified. So thank you. Oh, that's very sweet of you. Thank you. And by the way, mm-hmm. I haven't done it yet. Watch this next Sunday show. It's a killer. Absolute killer. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the only guest. Me, myself and I. So uh, <laughs> I think you'll like it. All right, Sarah. God bless you, well, my friend. Thank you. Take care. All right. That's Sarah for Alaska dot com. Sarah, for, wouldn't it be a hoot if she's in the house? When's the last time I said hoot, Mr. Professor, Mr. Producer? Like never? I don't think I've ever said that. Well, the boys and girls over at Mediaite, who seem obsessed with me, which is basically sort of a, uh, uh, an, an incestuous relationship they have with Media Matters. One tries to outdo the other in the stupidity realm. They got very concerned about the way I... I spoke on Hannity yesterday, Mr. Producer. So I thought I would play it just to piss them off. Cut one, go. People have said a lot of things about this uh, Supreme Court issue. I'm listening to these Democrats, a couple of things. The Democrats don't believe a woman is a woman, right? Didn't they just nominate somebody and get somebody confirmed who couldn't define what a woman is without a biologist? So it's clear if you follow their logic, which is very difficult, A woman is only a woman if she believes in abortion or gets an abortion. That is what you have to conclude from the Democrat Party. Chuck Schumer screams at the top of his lungs, which is a very ugly scene, saying that this will not stand. This will not stand. What will not stand, Chuck? The Constitution will not stand? Then I hear some of the left-wing women senators or birthing people or aborting people senators, I guess. They get up and they say things like, um, we're going to have a patchwork system. I guess they're not familiar with federalism, the Tenth Amendment, and so forth. We have a patchwork system in our country for all kinds of things. Then they say, well, a woman will have to travel to a state that allows abortion under certain circumstances and so forth and so on. These are the people who are busing illegal aliens all over the country, every corner of the country, flying them, busing them, training them. It's no big deal, but apparently it's a huge inconvenience if you're going to have an abortion to go to the next door state or something like this. The Democrat Party is insane. The Democrat Party is a war with our institutions. It's destroying them. Immediately, Bernie Sanders wants to destroy the Senate and his sidekick, Elizabeth Warren, uh, when it comes to the filibuster rule. Let me make something clear. This is not the United States of the Democrat Party. This is the United States of America, damn it. And we, the American people, have a say in what goes on in our country. Keep your damn hands off our Constitution. They say they're worried about our children. They're destroying our children's minds in our elementary schools and middle schools. They say they care about women. They're destroying women's sports, Title IX and so forth. They don't even recognize womanhood. They say they care about citizens. They're destroying citizenship on the southern border and elsewhere. 
The Democrat Party is out to undermine this country. They've been threatening this court for years, threatening its independence, threatening individual justices, have destroyed the confirmation process, destroyed people's names. We don't have to take this from these people. And women of America, you should rise up. Chuck Schumer just said he represents 100 million women. He doesn't represent 100 million women, that goofball. He doesn't represent any women as far as I'm concerned. And this whole thing seems contrived to me. Have you noticed how well organized it is? They get their leaker. The guy puts out the first draft. All of a sudden, people are showing up like they're coming right out of the woods. They show up. They got their contrived signs. They got their talking points. And one other thing that's very, very important. Joe Biden said today, Schumer said today, these legal analysts have said today, this will destroy marriage, same-sex marriage. Have they read the opinion? This is in the opinion. Unable to show concrete reliance on Roe and Casey themselves, the solicitor general, meaning the lawyer for the government, suggested overruling All right, that's those... All Now I'm live. So Mediate found this. Wow, he raises his voice. What a bunch of little pukes. This Dan Abrams founded Mediate, the same guy that does court cam, who has glued a squirrel to the top of his head. You know he's bald as a cue ball. So are you, Mark. I know, but I don't glue squirrels to the top of my head. He's got a podcast that nobody listens to. But he set up this whole company he does these, these cable programs. And he wants you to really think he's a serious, objective journalist and lawyer. He's an idiot. And he hires idiots. Mediaite. What a stupid name. To begin with. But we don't need a Mediaite when we have Media Matters. And we don't need a Media Matters when we have the New York Times. Oops, I kind of let it out of the bag, didn't I, Mr. Producer? Let me tell you what Sunday's show is going to be about. It is a hugely important show. Me, myself, and I, the full hour, exposing the New York Times. I want to strongly encourage you, if you cannot watch it live at 8 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, to record the program, DVR it, and tell your friends and neighbors and co-workers and so forth. It's time that the New York Times have a very deep examination. While it's passing judgment on all of us, on President Trump, on his supporters, while it's passing judgment on the Supreme Court, while it's passing judgment on Fox and conservative talk radio and various hosts, the New York Times is in no moral position to pass judgment on anybody. And by the time I am done, you will understand exactly what I'm talking about. It's important that the, the millions of people who watch the Sunday show, sometimes almost three million, for a Sunday night show, it's unheard of, on cable, that they hear it all and see it all. And I'm hoping you will join us. It's about time we use our platforms, especially here, the Ministry of Truth and the Ministry of Truth on my Sunday show 
to take a good look at that corrupt, poisonous corporation. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Springfield, Ohio, XM Satellite. Go right ahead, please. Hi. Uh, hey, I wanted to just start talking to you about uh, Roe v. Wade. I'm a labor and delivery nurse, and um, I have seen so much over the last many years. And, you know, I really, really want to see it go to the states so that we can educate people on what exactly what the Democrats are saying as far as, like, dehumanizing people. Um, then they are people. And, and the first thing that I would say to them is, you know, moms um, are carrying a completely dif- different genetic code when they're carrying a baby. They're carrying a, a, they could even be carrying a different gender. And um, so how can you say that it is your body? You know, it really 100% is a different body with a different, its own genetic code, its own fingerprints, its own gender, its own blood type. Um, and I've, I've just... No, you don't I understand. Really like- it's a right to privacy and a choice. You see how they dehumanize. You see how they destroy the language. You see how they try to burn down institutions that don't fall in line. You have to be a moron to not know that that's a baby. And you have to be a moron to tell us that you can't define what a woman is. And yet... In the United States of the Democrat Party, that's what you got to believe. That you can't define a woman, that a woman's not a woman, unless unless she wants an abortion. Then it's a woman's right. How sick is all this? Right. I, I, I don't understand because it, it's never been about their body. I mean, when, when you if you have seen the things that I have seen, you know. I mean, I've seen a little 12-week-old or not week old, but a 12-weeker, you know, demise, death, and 24 weeks, 32 weeks. I've seen all of it. I've seen heartbeats start at five weeks gestation. And, I mean, it's not about your body. That is a, t- a completely beautiful human being. And, and we just have to – I'd love to see it go to the States because then we wouldn't have as much um, abortion, I don't think, because we're going to educate young moms. Well, according young to mom, the New York Times, which is always right, there'd be 13% less abortions. But the truth is, ma'am, and you're, you're a labor nurse, if somebody wants an abortion, they're going to get an abortion. And you're exactly right. We need to stop talking about these are rights, that it's not a viable baby, and we need to start educating people exactly what does an abortion do. And you have states that have uh, allowed abortion right up to a second before a baby is born. How horrendous is that? Oh, my gosh. And how, how, how can adults stand there and do that to a baby? Not when you, when, when I, I've been there at so many births and you watch them go from blue to pink in, you know, a minute and a half. It's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. I mean, they mm-hmm. are, they're living, breathing, beautiful things. And the more that we can tell people, and then also how it affects the mothers. There's so much data out there, abortion and how it affects the mothers for the rest of their lives. I mean, it's, it, they, you can't keep telling me that it's a man is telling them what to do. No, that is not the case at all. Like you need to understand that you have the whole, a human being. Well, let me ask you a question. When Chuck Schumer goes on the Senate floor at a press conference and claims to represent 100 million women in this country, who the hell does he think he is? 100 million women support his radical view on abortion. They claim to represent 50% of the country. 
That's insanity. Most of the women in my life reject this completely. So I don't know what he's talking about, but they claim to represent women's rights, except when it comes to women's rights having nothing to do with abortion. Then they don't give a damn anymore. Right. I, I agree 100 percent. I mean, if, if you talk to any labor and delivery nurse, they're going to absolutely disagree. So and there's at least there's no, many, no, no. Many- we have to talk to Mika Brzezinski. Mika Brzezinski, we need to ask her opinion, or Elizabeth Warren, she speaks for all women, all insane women. Right. Yes, we have to talk to her, or Joy Reid, who believes that this is all about racism. Well, Heather, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for, you know, helping little babies with real lives. I want to thank you very, very much. You know, folks... It's not like I'm the most religious person in the world. I am a person of faith. I believe in God. But for me, abortion's always been about knowledge, logic, and humanity. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. We salute our truck drivers. Thank you. We salute the people in Ukraine. God bless each and every one of you. And I will see you tomorrow. Be well. Be well.